The big question is, how does someone with MS actually improve their mobility, strength, energy, independence, the list goes on. My name is Dr. Gretchen Hawley, physical therapist and multiple sclerosis specialist. Welcome to the Missing Link Podcast. Tune in as I share the top strategies and exercises to help you gain control over your life with MS using research-driven insights and advice from top industry experts. Whether you're newly diagnosed or have had MS for over 30 years, whether you have relapsing MS or progressive MS, this podcast is for you. You're sure to feel empowered and inspired after each episode. Ready? Let's dive in. Welcome and thank you so much for tuning in to the Missing Link podcast today. I have a guest, Lisa Markovici. Lisa is a licensed brain gym consultant and international faculty member of Breakthroughs International. For over 20 years, Lisa has been actively engaging students of all ages in brain gym activities to help improve their movement through exercises that release tension, reduce inflammation, and Calm the nervous system. On today's episode, Lisa explains how all of that is possible, and she gives several examples of some of her favorite exercises to help calm our nervous system right in this very moment. Lisa, thank you so much for being here with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me, Gretchen. It's a pleasure. Of course. And what our listeners don't know about you yet is that you are actually a teacher within The Missing Link. You have several classes up there already just recorded, but you also teach a class to our members every other month. And I can't even remember how I first found out about you, but I just love the concept of Brain Gym and what it's possible for people to experience. It's so different from any other type of exercise. So we're going to get all into that. But before we do, would you mind if I asked you a question from my interview deck? Please do. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) All right. I'm going to shuffle from the bottom of the list. All right. Your question is, what is the main quality you think makes a great parent? Ooh, that's a good question. Being a parent on top of it. I think a great quality of being a parent is to be able to really truly see and listen to your child. So not what you expect to see and listen to, but what is actually being happening in front of you. I think that is probably the strongest trait for a good parent. I like that. I feel like that's applicable in so many, like I'm just even thinking like with working with my patients too, that would probably be like the number one thing. Mm-hmm. Well, especially that. as parents, I think we have a lot of expectations, I guess, for our clients, too. And, you know, for our children, we only want them to succeed and be healthy and be happy and so on. So we we tend to add on to a lot of our own colors to what we actually see there. Right. <laughs> wow. That must take so much self. I'm not a parent yet, so I don't know. But that must take so much self-awareness. Yeah. Yeah. Because every every instinct in your, every cell in your body just wants to protect and make sure everything's perfect. Right. But you have to let them make their mistakes and do their own learning. And that's probably one of the hardest things as a parent. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Lots to look forward to. (laughs) Oh yeah. All right. So, so let's just dive right in. So I'm assuming that most of my listeners, if they're not a missing link member, they don't know what the brain gym is. So can you just give us a rundown of, of what it is? 
Mm-hmm. That's a really good question because even seasoned brain gym consultants and people who have heard about brain gym have a hard time defining it or explaining it to people because it has such wide applications. It's almost like asking somebody to tell you what is WD-40 exactly because you can use it for so many different things, right? In so many different ways. So it's hard to define. So for some, it's a lubricant for anyway. So brain gym is a bit like that. So for, for some people, they would define it to you as a warm up program. So for instance, an athlete might do brain gym before going out into the field. Field. Others would call it an academic preparation program. So children would do it in the classroom before doing something academic. In our case, when we applied here with, with our groups for missing MS link, we really do use it to rediscover a more relaxed, effortless way of moving. So it's relearning, really. It's a re-education of the system to re-educate movement patterns that have always been there that sometimes have to be readapted or relearned. But now as adults, we tend to do it with a lot more effort and conscientious tension that isn't really required for that kind of movement. It's so interesting because I've participated in several of the classes. And one thing that you have us do is a specific movement in the very beginning of class. And it might just be taking a few steps or turning to see how much mobility you have. And then we do the brain gym exercises. And then at the end, you have us do that again. And it's like, okay, how does that movement feel now? Or is it different now? And every time it's like, oh my gosh, it it does feel better. So Why is that? How is it possible in such a short time, your classes, at least in our program, are anywhere from like 45 minutes to an hour. You've even done shorter ones before, but how is that possible to see a difference that quickly? And is that realistic long-term? So, you know what, the best way for me to explain that is to actually do a little movement with you. Would you be open to that? Because I think it's, it's the best way for people to understand. So, yes, I do invite people to do something before and then we do brain gym and compare after because that is one way to learn that, okay, I can do this in a different way and also to discover the benefits that these brain gym movements could bring us. So an example, and we'll do that right now together, and I hope both of your listeners will be willing to play with us, is let's say you're sitting nice and straight listening to your podcast or watching your screen. I'm just going to invite you to gently turn your head to look over one shoulder and then just nice and slowly turn your head to look over the other shoulder. And for most of us who are stuck in a seated position a lot or in front of a screen a lot, most likely you're sensing a little bit of tension along the side of the neck. Some of those muscles along the side of your neck are probably letting you know that this turning stuff is for the birds, right? This is not too good, right? So there's a little bit of tension going on. And if you don't have any, well, then I congratulate you and maybe you can teach me what you do. So we feel this little bit of tension as we're turning the head. So the brain gym exercise we like to use to illustrate this one is something that we call the thinking cap, which is a very simple brain gym exercise where you're simply going to grab the top of your ear with your index and your thumb, and then very gently pulling the top of your ear upward, you kind of unroll the rim. That, that little earlobe of yours, you're gently going to tug on it and unroll it. You can either do both ears at the same time, or if that's too much, you can just use one hand at a time. And as you're kind of working your way down your ear, you keep unrolling and gently tugging. And when you get to the bottom, let go and go back up to the top and repeat this sequence. So you just kind of gently unrolling and pulling on the ear. You'll you notice that this is not a big athletic exercise, right? It's relatively easy to do. And maybe you might be noticing that your earlobe is getting a little warm, maybe a little bit softer as well. That's kind of what we're looking for. And let's do that just maybe one or two more times till we really have nice, soft and hot earlobes. 
And then just relax everything and repeat that turning motion of your neck, of your head. And notice what happened there. Yeah. So how how is that possible? I don't understand. <laughs> it's a little bit of magic, right? Yeah. <laughs> so this is great to do when you're driving, by the way, but definitely when you're driving one hand at a time. So what we really are doing when we're working with things like these kinds of activities is we, we tend to have tension in our bodies that we don't even consciously are aware of. And we can release that tension by doing things like unrolling the ears. That's something that comes from acupuncture. There's about a hundred different acupuncture points on the ear. And as we gently massage these, we're actually giving information to the system to, okay, you're safe. It's okay. Relax. It's stand down. No need to be armored. And we are kind of instinctively always in this protective mode because our world is moving so quickly. You know, we're in front of computers a lot. We're not moving a lot. There's lights, there's action, there's sounds. So unconsciously, our system is constantly trying to manage all this. And if we don't have enough resources, at one point we all don't actually, we start to armor ourselves. We start to protect ourselves. And some of us can even get into the point where we have chronic muscle tension or muscle pain. We get into fight or flight mode. A lot of people have heard of that expression where really we are ready to flee from what we're facing or stand our ground and fight. But in either case, our muscle armor is ready to jump into action. And when we keep operating from that kind of a mode, it takes a lot of energy and a lot of effort to do whatever we do. Whereas it is so much more enjoyable and so much more energy conserving to move from a relaxed place where we're not holding our breath, where we're not making a fist to force our way through something, but actually opening that hand and just relaxing and moving through our world that way. So the thing like the thinking cap is one of the ways, there's many other ones in Brain Gym, obviously, that we use to kind of diffuse this stress response and come from a more relaxed place. And I realize, wait a minute, when I turn my neck, it doesn't have to hurt. And it's almost like when you have a cold and the cold is gone, you realize, oh, wait a minute, I don't have a cold anymore, right? You don't, you're not even aware when it actually left. Yeah. Right. It also reminds me of winter time. There are so many times year round, but especially in winter that I notice that I'm holding my shoulders up closer to my ears just because I'm cold, I'm chilled. And I have to constantly remind myself, lower my shoulders. And every time I tell myself to lower my shoulders, they lower at least a little bit, if not a lot. And, you know, it's that tension that I didn't even mean to create. It was just there. Yeah. And this tension affects everything we do. So it also happens in our job. You know, like you think of lowering your shoulders. I, I always remind participants, you know, relax your face because <laughs> that's another thing that we kind of do. And then we kind of frown a lot too. So as soon as we do this kind of frowning or the locking of the jaw or even making a fist to get ready to do something, our body interprets this as, okay, there's something dangerous happening. We're entering protective mode. Raising of the shoulders too. We're like stealing ourselves, right, against something. And this muscle tension isn't just localized to the shoulders that you're aware of. It actually, all the muscles in the back of the body are contracting or shortening to get us ready for this fight or flight mode. Some people have cramps in the calves. That's another indicator of fight or flight. The little Achilles tendon needs to be protected. So the calf muscles do that for us to make sure that we can keep running and fighting 
for as long as possible. And so then the body, after a long time in fight or flight, starts sending out little messages, right? We tend to have a little bit of a headache even, or it's sore at the base of the neck or the shoulders, as you mentioned. Our breath is different. We have a short, shallow, quick breath as opposed to a nice, full, relaxed one. You know, even our posture, it's kind of folded forward with a compression happening at the chest where you, it's so different than when you roll your shoulders back and you have access to that full breath. So all those little noticings, we practice those. We learn those to start to recognize like you just did with the shoulders. There's so many more indicators that we can learn to notice to say, okay, wait a minute, this is not good. I better do something to come to a more relaxed kind of place. And I remember, I really like the science behind exercise because I feel like it makes sense of things. You know, for some people, if you just think you're tugging on your ear and you don't understand the science behind it, it probably won't work for you. Like maybe it's that, you know, it's not going to work because you don't believe it's happening. And you once, and the one, I think it was the very first class that you did for the missing link, you explained the corpus callosum and what role that has in fight or flight mode and what's actually happening there. Can you explain that for our listeners? Sure. Yeah. And this is a fascinating thing. When I first learned that brain gym really started making sense to me, I was learning it in a very different context, but the corpus callosum. So we kind of know that we have two hemispheres, a right hemisphere and a left hemisphere. And the way our body works is that it's kind of contralaterally wired. So the right hemisphere has more of a connection to everything that's on the left side of our body. And the left hemisphere has more of a connection to everything that's on the right side of our body. I mean, like our right hand, our right ear, our right eye, and so on. And so they're constantly having to communicate with each other for us to use our limbs, our eyes, our ears. Like when you're reading, you really need both eyes to team together. And when you're eating or cutting something, you need both hands to kind of work together. When you're writing, you need one hand to support you and the other one to be active. So all this takes incredible coordination. And that coordination depends on this little connection, the link, actually. (laughs) I love your (laughs) This corpus callosum, which connects the right and left hemisphere. And when we get into stress or survival mode, it is not necessary to think too much. So this corpus callosum kind of goes on a break because what we enter is a very reactive mode. And that reactive survival mode is wired in our system even before we arrive on this planet. It happens in utero. That's because it's designed for survival. That's how important it is. But they can see like in ultrasounds and so on, a baby will always suck, let's say the right thumb or you always suck the left thumb. Like handedness is already starting to be defined and laterality is already starting to be defined. And so in survival mode, the corpus callosum kind of shuts down and they've taken positron emission scans, PET scans of brains of people relaxed and people under stress. And when we're under stress, the non-dominant hemisphere, so the one that's not designed to save our lives, actually shuts down by nearly 80%. There's only 20% of activity. Corpus callosum keeps both sides going, like they're always communicating, so there's activity in both hemispheres. So when we get into survival mode, we're only really accessing half of our brain potential and therefore half of our resources all over. And the wonderful thing about Brain Gym, and especially those first four exercises that we always do at the beginning of every class, is it's designed to bring us out of survival. That's originally the intention that Brain Gym was created for, because the person who created it, Paul Dennison, he had learning centers, and he noticed that his students could not even begin to sit down, be still and focus as long as they were in that survival mode. So the first premise of brain gym is to get us out of survival mode, to come back to a state where the corpus callosum is active, where we can access both hemispheres, both eyes, both ears, both hands, and we're able to have access to all of our resources. 
I just it's a find long that, answer, but yeah. no, I love, I just find that so fascinating and it makes sense. And I mean, I know just from all the classes, but there's lots of different ways that you can activate that corpus class and use both sides of our brain. For our listeners, can you give like your one of your favorite ways to activate that? Mm-hmm. There, there really are so many, but I do have one of my favorite ones. And again, we can do that one together. And I just wanted to point out that it's not just a question of accessing the right and left hemispheres, which is one of the special things about brain gym, because a lot of people focus on laterality and, you know, many occupational therapies and many physiotherapies will focus on making sure both hands and both feet work and so on. But the beauty about brain gym is that in order for laterality to be accessible, for us to be able to have access to these two hemispheres, yes, it's the corpus callosum, but it's also the ability to stabilize our bodies. So that's another midline. It's not just right, left. It's also top down. Like think about even us seated, you know, and talking to each other, you have a firm support from your hips and the bottom of your body and your arms and head can move independently of that. But that gives you incredible confidence to know that you have that foundation right? You can walk because you know you can rely on your two feet kind of thing. And then the third aspect too of that is this differentiation of front to back. So that means I can direct my focus towards something or I can eliminate things that are too much so that I don't have all this information coming at me all the time. And that's another way of organizing back to front. So it's kind of the three dimensions of movement and the three dimensions of learning. And the reason I brought that up is that If the first two dimensions, if that back to front and top down is stable and resilient, then laterality is much more solid. So sometimes we focus so much on laterality, we don't even look at the other two. And then people struggle with basic movements and basic skills. Whereas if we reinforce those other two that are rarely looked at, which is how we kind of function in brain gym, we don't have to worry too much about laterality because it kind of just takes care of itself. So, you know, you asked me about making sure the two hemispheres are on. And so we could do an exercise specifically for that. And we will because it's fun and it's it's, it's good to see. But normally when we do our sequences together in the classes, as you might have seen, if you watch some of the sessions together, we don't really spend that much time on laterality. We do a lot of lengthening kind of things and, you know, releasing tension in the shoulders or the lower back, stabilizing the body, practicing that stability. And then maybe at the end, we'll do a couple of things for laterality. So it's just a different way of looking at accessing laterality. You don't have to just make sure you do those kinds of exercises. Yeah, I think it's important to mention that because you're right. It's very rarely talked about. So often we just think right side or left side, but very rarely top down or front back. And it's all important. We move in so many different ways. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Mm, yeah. And, and we really do play with the different movement patterns that are kind of developmental. So as babies, you know, we, we practice those on the ground, on the floor and then seated. And then eventually we stand. And I often remind participants, you know, we took like a year to 15 months to figure out how to walk in the first place. Let's give ourselves more than five minutes to work on it now because there's this impatience also when I want to be able to move. I said, yes, yes, but you got to restart. You know, you got to relearn it again. But the good news is you can't. You know, you can, but practicing these kinds of movements and allowing yourself to play on the floor again, especially, you can certainly relearn. But yes, let's do one for laterality that I really, really like. And it's nice and easy. And if you spend a lot of time on a computer or watching a screen, this is a great exercise to do, actually. So all we're going to do is rub our hands together a little bit, just to create a little bit of heat, which is always nice. 
<laughs> and then I'm going to place the heel of my hands around the cheekbone area on my face so that both of my hands are kind of covering my eyes and my fingertips are just going to rest on my forehead. And you can choose to have your eyes open or closed into this little chamber of, of darkness that you've just created. And we'll just take a couple of breaths here. And then when you feel ready, after a couple of breaths, I'm going to invite you to open your eyes and you're going to take your right hand and just open that window. So the right hand is gently going to let the right eye open and look around and just allow that eye to notice everything that it can see. It can look up and down, maybe as far to the right as possible, as far to the left as possible. Let's take a couple of breaths with that. And then we're going to close that right side again. And then we'll repeat that one more time on the right side. So again, opening the right hand and just letting your eye, noticing what that eye can see. So this is not going to be the same as the other one, obviously. And then let's close that up again. Let's take a breath here in the middle. And then gently we'll repeat the sequence on the left side. So now the left hand's going to open and just allow the left eye to kind of look around. And you see how different that visual field is actually going far to the left, going up, going down, just letting your eye kind of move around. And then we'll close that window and then repeat that again with the left side. So just looking everywhere. And then we'll close that window again. We'll take a pause in the middle and now we'll just do it one more time alternating. So I'm gonna open the right window, look around, close that window, open the left, look around. And then close that window again. We'll take a nice little breath in our little chamber of rest here. And then just relax everything. And then just look around and notice what that feels like. And you know, sometimes we don't even realize that we weren't really looking with both eyes, you know? I almost feel like I can see my peripheral vision way better. Like that's what people say. I see better now. I see more. Yeah. I said, yeah. That's what it's like when you're using both of them. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's so cool. And one way that I have utilized brain gym exercises is I will pick like one or two of my favorites from the class and I will do them just throughout the day whenever I can tell that I'm getting more stressed or I feel a sense of urgency and it really does calm you down. It Maybe it's because you get a break from that, that situation, but also you actually feel calmer afterwards. Mm -hmm. So the, the brain gym movements were designed with, you know, very, very specific intentions, which I do explain. And, you know, I do provide participants with pretty detailed handouts that, that give a lot of information about the movements. Because as you said earlier, sometimes it's good to know why you're doing something and what it's supposed to be doing, because otherwise it just feels like, no, why would this work? It's too easy. Like I'm unrolling my ears, but, you know, but Paul Dennison really did want to make this very accessible and all the movements are adaptable for just about any population. I mean, we do these with babies and we do these with seniors and there's always a way to find a movement, even if it's passive, for everyone to be able to benefit from these. And yes, they do have very specific goals. So whenever we do a session together, we balance out movements that are designed to just release tension. So, you know, we might do something like the, the thinking cap that we just did or the owl where we're working with the shoulder. And we'll say like, now we're going to release the tension in the upper body, we'll release the tension in the shoulder. And you mentioned earlier, if you notice that your shoulders are way up here and you're walking in this contracted posture, well, maybe doing the owl would be a nice thing to, to remind you, you know, to come back down. And then we do things with the eyes as well because as you just noticed we can use the eyes to get that little corpus callosum working again and to 
access laterality and some of the other dimensions. So whatever part we can move, we're going to use because one of the side effects of that survival state is we get stuck in that freeze mode, like you're startled by something and then you just keep going and it escalates into that fight or flight where we're so ready to defend ourselves. And if we can use movement to kind of diffuse that, we can come back to what we call in brain gym a more integrated state where we can be calm and breathe and choose how to respond as opposed to just reacting to something. And that's one of the skills that we practice in the classes. I ask questions all the time. I always invite people to notice, like you said, that before and after, because that's what gives you the feedback. So you recognize, oh yeah, when we did that in class, I felt much better. I felt very different after. I think I'll try that again. And then, like you said, you remember that experience and you apply it to your day, which that is actually my dream. That's the goal. That's hopefully what you'll do with it. Yeah, absolutely. And so you mentioned earlier that there's research showing that this type of work can calm your nervous system. Is there any research showing that this also can reduce any inflammation? Well, the two kind of go hand in hand. There's so much research out there in terms of stress-based diseases, right? So stress is very inflammatory to the system. We have adrenaline and cortisol circulating in our blood too much for much too long. I think the human body was designed to have about 15 minutes of that in a lifetime, four or five times. And we do it for hours on end, just about every day. So, you know, a lot of the inflammatory diseases, even Alzheimer's and hypertension and cardiac diseases and multiple sclerosis is one of them and Parkinson's, 96% of modern day diseases have been traced back to inflammation, presence of inflammation. And inflammation is caused by stress. It is, there's a direct corollary there. So it would make sense then to say that if we can reduce stress levels in our system, we're going to reduce inflammation. And so therefore, yes, we we can, you know, come to a more calmer existence. And there's a lot in our environment to cause stress and to get us into this upset kind of position. And there's not quite that much in our environment to bring us calm. We kind of have to consciously bring that in. And that is, again, what we're inviting people to with, with Brain Gym and yoga. And I mean, many other things, too. But I just resonate a lot with Brain Gym because sometimes you just want something quick. Like you said, you'll do one or two things and you already feel calmness kind of settling in. You don't necessarily have an hour, an hour and a half to to meditate and do yoga, you know, to get into the same kind of frame of mind. Right. And do you have any advice for someone who is looking for this type of effect? Like they want to be less stressed. They want to have reduced inflammation. They want to get out of fight or flight mode, but their form of exercise, like maybe they only feel productive if it's more strengthening based or cardio, because this is very different. It is not necessarily strengthening like bicep curls or cardio. Yeah. Any any thoughts or advice for someone who has a hard time looking at this form of movement as exercise? Mm-hmm. So this is very interesting. I would encourage people to look up somebody called Katie Bowman. She's a movement therapist who talks about our movement or our movement nutrition. And I love the way she talks about that. So yes, there's a place for intense exercise and weight training and cardio. Absolutely. But it's really good to have a varied movement menu. So in the same way that we can really push hard and we can run from the tiger and we can lift the weights to be super strong, our bodies certainly benefit from that and do need that. But our entire emotional, mental, and physical system will also benefit from moments of calm. So the same way when we release hormones like cortisol and adrenaline, which are also released even when we're running and even when we're doing exercise, you know, that uh, extra push that we need, 
We also want to release endorphins and dopamine and serotonin and, you know, the oxytocin stuff. Like nobody ever talks about the good hormones. And those are so essential to a calm, robust nervous system. Like if you just talk about oxytocin, which is often called as a bonding hormone, but when we touch and one of the things that we do in our classes is massaging the hands and the feet. When we touch an animal, a pet or a person or ourselves, we're producing oxytocin, which is a precursor of acetylcholine. And so many studies have shown that in MS and Alzheimer's, there's a lack of acetylcholine, which builds nerve cells. And we could build like six to 9,000 new nerve cells per day, but it depends on acetylcholine. So if we don't have enough of that, we won't be doing that. You know, so there's so many reasons to also value the good hormones, the calming hormones, the, the meditative ones, if you want, because we need that rest and digest as much as we need that fight and flight, you know, get up and go kind of thing. Absolutely. And I feel like we should be taught this from a very young age, but so many people, including myself, like I didn't know about this until a few years ago. And Mm -hmm. I think if we have known about it for longer, it would be more normalized. And maybe then we would participate in that form of exercise just as much as whatever we view as regular or normal exercise. Yeah. I mean, a lot for a lot of people, exercise is only if it burns calories and builds muscle, you know, as you mentioned. And, you you know, what's interesting is because like in in some cultures, like if you look at, you know, where the yoga comes from or or even in Buddhist cultures where there's a lot of meditation, they've known for thousands of years the benefits of calming kind of exercises as well. But what's interesting is the human when he's born, when, when we arrive on this planet, we all know how to have that startle reflex. It's the first reflex that's there. It's called the moral reflex. If you've ever seen a baby who thinks he's about to be dropped, you know, the arms go out. We, we, we're all familiar with that, that kind of thing. And we, we keep that wiring forever. As soon as you get startled, it's that, that, that's that, that is there from the moment that we arrive on this planet. And as babies, when we do that, our parents come and take us in their arms and we learn to come back into center, right? That's that flexion part of the startle reflex. If we don't get that, if we don't learn that, then it's very difficult. That's children who have difficulty auto-regulating. That's another big word these days, but they don't learn how to come back, how to come back to center. And so more and more studies have shown that when a baby cries, it's really important to respond because that's exactly when they learn Okay, after this out thing, there's this in thing that has to happen. And then eventually when you do that often enough, they learn to do it for themselves. And we've developed a course of brain gym for little ones. So we go into daycares actually, and as early as six to nine months old, we're doing brain gym with them to teach them that this after the moment, the startle moment, you can relax and come back to yourself. And they learn self-regulation from as young as two, three years old. It's phenomenal to watch, but it's possible to equip our children with that resource. And as adults, it's never too late to get that resource and to learn it. Oh yeah, that's so fascinating. This has been so amazing just hearing about brain gym, but also the why behind it. As I mentioned earlier, if I don't know why it's harder to stay consistent with something or even believe that it can help, but obviously there's lots of research on this. And it's really, as you just mentioned, for anyone, you know, babies, MS, Parkinson's, just literally any person can benefit from this type of work. Any human, absolutely. Yeah. Actually, even animals. I have a, my my pet, my dog loves. There's the thinking cap, you know, that we did on ourselves. He loves when I do that. If you ever, if you have any pets at home, they really respond. Cats and dogs, they're very sensitive. Their ears are super sensitive. You have to go very gently, but they love it. It's a, it's incredible to watch their response. 
And that's kind of a two in one because then we get the acetylcholine from touching yeah. the pet. Yeah. <laughs> So win-win. It's an absolute win-win for sure. I love that. Well, this has been so great, Lisa. Thank you so much for sharing all of this and for your time. Is there any place that someone can go, Some someone can go somewhere to find you or to learn more? Oh yeah, definitely. I have my own website, which is reconnection.com, R-E-K-I-N-X-O-N. And then of course, from your website too, I'm sure they can reach me as well, or if they want to contact you to have them find me, that's fine. And then you can just go for the US, there's braingym.org, which is the international brain gym website where you can find local instructors in your area. I'm in, I'm in Montreal, I'm in Canada, but there's thousands of us all over the place, especially in the US. And you can find people that work maybe even in person with you. And it's, it can be very personal. So we can do programs specifically adapted for the individual's needs, which is quite different from the setting of a group setting online in Zoom. But there's many, many different courses available and and many different applications as well. So please do explore. Awesome. And I will put those links in the show notes. So if anyone is driving or not able to access it now, no worries. <laughs> we'll put those in the show notes. And if you are a missing link member, definitely go to our classes category and check out Lisa's recorded videos and also our live ones. Thank you again so much. This has been great. It was really fun, Gretchen. Thank you for having me. If this is your first time hearing about The Missing Link, or maybe you've heard of it, but you need a refresher, it is my online MS wellness program where I teach everyone who has MS appropriate functional exercises that you can do to help improve your walking. Things like walking on even and uneven ground, climbing stairs better, improved stamina and endurance so that you can walk longer. And with that comes better balance, better strength and a sense of empowerment and confidence. Not only are there amazing exercises in there, but there are guides that share exactly which exercises you should be doing each day. You also get access to our MS experts and are able to ask them questions live on a Q&A call every single month and access to our accountability group. If you think the missing link may be a good option for you, I will put a link in the show notes where you can watch a 13-minute video that will give you an inside sneak peek of exactly what the missing link includes. So be sure to check that out. And I hope to see you in our missing link community soon. Thank you for listening to today's show. I am so grateful to have you as a listener. If you'd like extra resources, such as a video of one of my seated exercise classes, my favorite core exercises, and the opportunity to ask me your questions, head to missinglink.com forward slash insider. That link will be shared in the show notes along with links to my social media handles. If you love this episode and think a friend or family member with MS would benefit from listening, please go ahead and text or email this podcast to them right now. Sharing this podcast will help me educate and empower as many MS warriors as possible. Thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode of the Missing Link Podcast. 